Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I've got a great stream that I think you're really going to enjoy. So John Oliver is somebody who, you know, he, he's been funny in a few things. He was funny in Community. He, he has some acting roles where he's funny, but obviously he kind of grew big. He got a name for himself as part of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. And I've been talking about some of these comedians, some of these guys like Jon Stewart, uh, like Bill Maher, like John Oliver, and kind of explaining some of the problems that they have. Now, John Oliver is going to be a little different. So Bill Maher is kind of the closest thing to somebody who's who's trying to tell some truth sometimes, right? I've, I've made my case multiple times. This is not somebody you, could, you should trust. He's not really on your side. He's not part of your team. However, he will sell, tell some truth to power every once in a while, try to get some credibility, that kind of thing. And then we had Jon Stewart last week, and I did that episode talking about kind of why his show declined. I mean, most people didn't even know that it kind of existed. That, that was probably the most common comment is Jon Stewart had another show. I, I hadn't even realized that, but kind of that his time had come and gone. And, and that was just part of of the cycle of, uh, you know, his time in the in politics was really that that late 90s, early 2000s look at kind of cynical political uh, you know infotainment. And and that had kind of passed him by. And now he was doing a bunch of struggle sessions and things on uh, television that were just really painful. And it was probably best that he kind of just buried that show when he had the option, when Apple kind of said, no, we want you to, we don't want you to criticize China. We don't want to do these things like, oh, it's a good time to step away. Well, now we have John Oliver. And John Oliver is somebody who basically just kind of carried the daily show format forward. Yes, technically, Trevor Noah is doing The Daily Show for like five people, I guess, on Comedy Central. I don't know. Maybe he gets better ratings than that, but I don't know anybody who's ever watched a, a Trevor Noah uh, kind of Daily Show and enjoyed it. And so kind of the real heir apparent, somebody who was on the show while Jon Stewart was there, was John Oliver. And Oliver has been doing his show over on HBO, part of them kind of a, these different people adopting the streaming format and, and picking up these different late night shows, you know, that that spun off from the Daily Show. So his is arguably the most successful post Daily Show version of this sticking to the same format. Obviously, Samantha B was a disaster. He's probably the one that's probably best, uh, best continuing that tradition. His big thing is supposed to be deep dives. That That's what's supposed to make John Oliver's show different. He does these big in-depth pieces. It's not just these kind of quick rundown of the news, make a quip thing. I mean, though he does that as part of the show as well, but he does these, these larger overarching deep dives into what's going on. And that's a big part of uh, kind of, kind of his style, what's supposed to set him apart. So he did one recently on homeschooling and it was rather comedic, not, not for the reasons he would hope not, not because John Oliver was actually funny uh, intentionally, but because of how ridiculous his assertions were during this. So I'm going to go ahead and run through this, guys. I want to show you a little bit of what is happening here. I had to cut it down because, again, he does these deep dives. They're like 25, 30 minutes. And most of what I cut was, honestly, John Oliver just not being funny. It's amazing that a professional comedian did a 25-minute bit. And I think I almost chuckled one time, you know? And so it's not very uh, effective comedically in that sense, but th there were some things that were absurd about it that I wanted to go ahead and run down. 
But before we do that, guys, let's go ahead and hear from today's sponsor. These days, it's impossible to thrive with just one job. Between increasing living costs, paying off debts, and planning for the future, things like buying a home, building savings, and even going on vacation can seem like fantasies. If your goal is financial freedom, you could start taking on more hours at your current job, work towards a promotion, or try putting your money into something risky like stocks, cryptocurrencies, or even a side hustle. But at the end of the day, do you really want to sacrifice time and energy that could otherwise be spent with your loved ones or on your hobbies just to make a living? Luckily, you don't have to hustle to reliably make more money. All you have to do is job stacking. Job stacking is the best way for regular people, regular employees, to unleash their earning potential and increase job and financial security. How? by working multiple jobs, but without burning out or more importantly, getting caught by corporate overlords. Job stacking allows you to reliably receive paychecks from multiple employers each month without having to work more than eight hours a day. You don't have to be in tech or any particular field or industry to do it as long as you can work remotely. If you've thought about working multiple jobs, but you're not sure how to start or are afraid of getting caught, get the fundamental job stacking course today and learn all of the secrets on how to sustainably work multiple full-time jobs from the foremost expert on the matter, Rolf Halza, author of Job Stacking. Rolf has worked multiple full-time jobs since 2018, including hybrid jobs, and has condensed all of his experiences and wisdom into a single four-module online course so you can start proficiently job stacking without having to make mistakes, figuring things out on your own, or reinventing the wheel in the process. Go to www.jobstacking.com and enter the promo code ORIN to get a special discount. Someone just made the joke in chat. They're stacking our gerbs, which is, that's pretty good, man. That's that's well done. Uh, I like that. All right. So back to homeschooling. So why is John Oliver going to do a segment on homeschooling, the dangers of homeschooling? I mean, really, how, how dangerous could this be? But you actually want to pay attention to this because there is a very real understanding, I think, by a lot of people uh, who are part of the ruling elite that homeschooling is going to be a real threat. Don't get me wrong. They've kind of always known this to some extent, but it's becoming increasingly clear how bad public schools are at the job. They're absolutely terrible and they're full of horrific indoctrination. People know this. They want to take action. They want to do something, but it's increasingly important that kids get more and more government education because they need more and more propaganda. You have this deeply unnatural system, this deeply unnatural set of expectations that you're looking to inculcate into kids. You're trying to warp their expectations of all kinds of things. You want to separate them from parents. You want to separate them from faith, from faith. You want to separate them from real history. And so you have to constantly just, you know, keep them in this flow of propaganda and homeschooling is a big problem because it pulls people out of that, that, and that's a real issue. So you're going to watch this with me a little bit. And what you're going to notice for John Oliver is that the main issue is not homeschooling in general. He's actually going to take the very nuanced position that there is good homeschooling. But you'll notice very specifically who he thinks is it's okay to be homeschooling and who he thinks have to be put back into the public school system. And, well, I'll give you a little hint. Part of it's on the screen. You're going to notice a trend that he's going to make over and over again. I cut out the part where he's praising this family that that taught their kids to rap the ABCs. And, you know, full credit to them. I'm glad to see parents taking an interest in their parents' education, especially uh, during the pandemic and all the lockdowns and everything, people who are actually involving themselves in that remote education of the children. I actually taught during that time. It was a very challenging time to be a teacher, very challenging time 
uh, to actually have kids learn anything. So, so full credit to them, but you're going to notice there's a particular thing that he highlights over and over again uh, that says it's okay to, to homeschool kids that are like this, but not like this. I, I think it'll become pretty obvious pretty quickly, but let's go ahead and start the clip. But for some, homeschooling isn't just a pandemic-era necessity, it's a way of life. And you may have heard a stereotype of homeschoolers being Christian conservatives who object to what kids learn in public school environments. And I admit, those people do exist. Take this man who offers this pretty shaky rationalisation for pulling his kid out of school. I think the type of content on what they're teaching about sex or anal sex that might third grade daughter should not be in a classroom where a teacher or someone else is teaching her about that. And that so this is this is framed as ridiculous, right? That's the whole point of this at the beginning. Oh, this is really this is a really shaky reason to homeschool your children uh, because you don't agree with what the values being taught. That seems like an excellent reason, actually, to pull your kid out of school and homeschool your your child. And of course, they drop the laugh track in here, right? Because you get put that canned laughter in there to make it feel like this Vice interview is, is insane. I mean, look at this guy. He's got like a beard and a, and a backwards camo hat or something. He can't be a serious person. And so the, the idea here is this is an insane concern. This is something that you would not want to remove your children from school for. Now, you'll see the reasons he, he thinks are legitimate, but it's very obvious that this is a legitimate reason. You disagree with the morality being portrayed at school. So obviously you want to take action as a concerned parent and remove your child from that environment. That's awesome. That, that's not a problem. That's taking agency. That, that's actually what you want to see as a, as a former educator. I loved parents that actually questioned what was being taught in a classroom because that meant they cared about their kids. I taught in really bad schools and none of the parents really cared about their kids. So the rare time that I had Parents come to me and be like, hey, I disagree with something being taught in your in your classroom. I'm concerned that something isn't being taught in your classroom. I was like, that's amazing. I'm so glad to have some parent who gave a crap about their kid come to me. That's that's not a burden. That's a blessing. But of course, that's not what they want here, right? They, they want soft, compliant parents who are just going to shuttle their kids off to absorb whatever propaganda. That was your experience in school? I threw through friends in other spots that had been kids at those ages, because mine was only in first grade when we pulled them. Well, that sounds like total bullshit. <laughs> Although I guess I do basically agree with him there. Things that are definitely not happening should continue not to happen. So John Oliver is just a liar. <laughs> that's, that's all there is to it. He's just a liar here. He's obviously lying. We all know he's lying. The evidence is everywhere. And if there was any shred of honesty involved in his presentation, there's a million places he could go. We know that there is curricula where this is being introduced to young children. We know that there is evidence of teachers teaching, you know, first, second graders, things about masturbation, things about sexual practices that are entirely inappropriate we know that there are you know videos from libs of tiktok with 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 teachers of young children talking about how they interject this stuff into their discussions and we know for sure that the democrats that the left hated ron DeSantis for putting his bill in that protected children in third grade or lower so he specifically says well third grade this is when the, this is allowed to take place the left went nuts when florida tried to protect kids in third grade so there's a specific reference point. 
the left has already opposed the protection of children at this age from this exact material. John Oliver knows this. He 100% knows this. He has to have researchers or writers or whatever he's calling his bootlicking lackeys. He has to have people who could just Google this stuff in 10 seconds. So he knows this. And so he's just repeating this to an audience that he expects to be entirely ignorant of what's going on or is so thoroughly bought into his ideology that they're just going to completely like reprogram their brain to forget that they fought tooth and nail to get rid or to try to you know a- a- attack a bill and call it the don't say gay bill because it protected kids in third grade he knows all this this is all obvious this is just him lying trying to make this guy look ridiculous with some canned laughter just because he's got a long beard and you know it, it doesn't look like he might have gone to harvard so you know uh, let- let's let's just do the canned laughter thing uh, we'll we'll chuckle and pretend that this isn't happening, even though there's evidence everywhere that it is, and even though we fought tooth and nail to try to try to prevent kids from being protected from exactly what this guy is concerned about. You could have just passed the legislation everywhere, and then it's not happening. So who cares if the legislation exists? But of course, John Oliver cares deeply if the legisl- legislation exists because he's lying and he knows it. But the truth is, the homeschooling community is much broader than just right-wing parents afraid of hypothetical third-grade lube demonstrations. (laughs) By one estimate, there are now around two million children being homeschooled in this country, and parents can choose that for all sorts of reasons. Maybe their kids have social or health problems or disabilities that aren't being accommodated. Maybe they're families with legitimate fears about school safety or who are in the military and move around a lot. And there's also a growing number of black parents opting to homeschool due to whitewashed curriculums and zero-tolerance policies in schools that disproportionately criminalise their kids at an early age. So... Okay, okay. So there's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot to unpack here. Uh, Let's start from here and work our way backwards. So first, uh, John, why would zero-tolerance policies criminalize African-American children at an early age disproportionately? Are you going to ask that question? Is it? Are, are we going to get into that at all? Are we just going to? We're just going to mention it and go. I'll, 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 I'll spoil this for you. He's just going to mention it and continue on, as if there's, there's no need to, to delve any deeper into that topic. Uh, <laughs> look, I don't like, I don't like zero tolerance policies. To be really clear, again, as a former educator, I think there's a lot, a lot of problems with zero tolerance policies. They don't allow for nuance. They don't allow for what are pretty common interactions. I think a lot of times. With certain students, I think I think they are a problem. However, the fact that that John Oliver specifically points out that African American children are disproportionately affected by this begs the question: Well, if they're bad policy across the board, why specifically, right? And there's only two options. The first one is the one he's assuming you're going to think: Oh, it's just racism, right? There's just racism everywhere. Even the most wildly progressive, wildly liberal public school is just so racist that they're disproportionately punishing black kids, or or is there some kind of statistical reality that might reveal itself through the application of an overly stringent policy? Nah, no, John's not going to talk about that. We're, we're not going to get into that. We're, we're just going to roll past that if, as, as if the, you know, the conclusion is obvious because you're watching John Oliver and so he can kind of uh, rely on that fact. The other thing that's really obvious here is he acknowledges, okay, there are legitimate reasons why you would want to homeschool your child. What if they have a disability? That's a very good legitimate reason. You know, what if they have, uh, you know, wh- what if they have all these other problems? Okay, those are a good reason. What if they happen to be black and you don't want them learning, I guess, 
whitewashed history. Well, that's the exact opposite of what's happening. Again, having taught in public schools, I can tell you that that is most certainly not the type of curriculum that is being taught, even in places that are supposed to be super based like Florida. Uh, they are wildly liberal curriculums that are completely re, you know, rewriting history to make it look like uh, you know Europeans or people of, of European descent were were the sole oppressor class throughout history and 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 responsible for all of the people's woes. But you'll notice again. He's fine with people pulling their kids out of school. He doesn't have a problem with homeschooling as long as the reason you're pulling them out is to give them better propaganda, right? Oh, you want to teach your kids the 1619 project in Florida instead of the, the, the Florida standard? Well, then you should pull them out of school, you know, so you can teach them the, the most insanely racially biased history, uh, one, you know, whatever kind of cartoon that was written up by these, these activists. He's fine with that. That's not a problem. He's only worried if it's white evangelicals taking their kids out of school. I'll, I'll spoil the, that for you. The, that's the actual <laughs> that that's the actual problem he has. He, he doesn't like white and evangelical kids being taken out of school. They need extra propaganda. You can take the black kids out of school, you know, because they're he, he's just assuming they're going to get extra propaganda, I guess. Uh, but but you need to pull the white you need to keep the white evangelical kids in public schools so that they can keep getting the propaganda. There are lots of reasons to do it. And the fact is, for some kids, getting to be homeschooled can be genuinely transformative. At 15, Victoria asked her mom, Bernita, to take her out of Detroit schools. She says she was being bullied relentlessly for her appearance, and it didn't seem like her administrators cared. It made me not want to ask questions, you know, or not want to ask specific questions because I'm like, oh, am I like, they going to call me dumb. When you transitioned to homeschooling, how did you start to feel about yourself? Um, I felt more confident. It was just like a kind of like a sunshine, like the clouds open in a little bit. That's great. That is very nice. And that is great. That is actually very nice. Look, that is the purpose that homeschooling can really serve for some people. I get it. A lot of people might say, well, you know, there might be some positive peer pressure towards, you know, toward, towards, I guess, weight or whatever there. But look, it, people can be really cruel. Kids can be incredibly cruel, especially in public schools, man. I Again, I have taught at bad schools and I have seen good, intelligent kids get entirely shut down because they're in terrible classroom situations where they're constantly berated, they're constantly attacked, and they would really, really you know, benefit from getting out of that environment. I've seen them pulled out of bad classes, put into good classes, and all of a sudden that smart kid flourishes, they're willing to raise their hand, they're willing to ask questions, and sometimes a kid just needs to be able to explore things a little bit. So I'm totally on board with this, and John should be on board with this too, but not just for black kids. He should be on board for this for all kids. This should be okay. For every kid, for every parent to remove their child from a toxic public school situation and homeschool them if they choose. That should be every parent's right. And he shouldn't be here trying to scare people about the dangers of this. He should be extolling its virtues for everyone, not just the people who happen to share the shade of skin that he thinks should be elevated in every situation. Because to an extent that you may not realize, in many parts of the country, homeschooling is essentially unregulated, which can result in enormous damage. So given that, tonight... Oh boy, guys. Unregulated homeschoolers. Sorry, you got a license for that homeschool over there? Yeah, I mean, okay. So you didn't go to a uh, college of education for four to six years, acquire a bunch of HR diversity certificates, and then get down so you can, you know, not teach children to read like happens in almost every public school. Again, I didn't get a teaching degree. I, I was a teacher, but I had to go back and complete a teaching 
uh, kind of like certificate to attach to my normal degree. So I didn't go to a school of education, but I did to take education classes in college. And I can tell you they were pretty much uniformly useless. They didn't teach you anything of value at all. I learned plenty of important things about educating children on the job. As somebody who had a background in politics and taught politics and history, I used my background. I learned the things that were happening actually in the classroom and from other teachers who had learned valuable things and I applied them. That's real technique. I'm sorry, but you don't need any kind of magic voodoo to be able to teach a child to read for the most part. I'm sorry that this these unregulated homeschoolers running around are scaring you, but they'll just be just fine, I promise. Let's take a look at homeschooling. And let's start with the fact there is a lot that we don't know about homeschooled kids, from exactly how many there are to what they are learning. When I said there are around two million of them, the reason that's an estimate is that, depending on the state, homeschool families might not have to report what they are doing at all. In these 26 states, parents simply have to file a notice once a year with officials to let them know that they are homeschooling their child. In these 13, they only have to file a notice once with no requirement to check in ever again. And in the remaining 11, they don't have to notify anyone at all. And when it comes to the education itself... Yeah, so, oh no, these parents are, you know, they, they, don't, they only have to notify the state that they've made the decision to homeschool their kids, and that's some terrible thing. Look, this, is, this was the default assumption for pretty much all of human history. Up until like 100 years ago, or even less, it was the default assumption that the parent was the primary educator of their child. If you were wealthy and you were very lucky, you might be able to pay a tutor or a teacher or a two. You might be able to send your kid to a boarding school or, or, or even a university if you were incredibly lucky. Uh, you know, and, and if you lived in an incredibly uh, uh, wealthy uh, country, maybe they might have some rudimentary public education. But it was assumed that the parent was the primary educator of their child in pretty much every situation. The idea that the parent would need to seek approval regularly and observation regularly from the state is an insane, massive explosion of government power. This is an, it, just an insane intrusion of government into the public, into the private sphere, into the home. And this is why public education is, again, so important to these people. They understand they must destroy the family. They must destroy the bond between parent and child. They must destroy the expectation that parents are the main leaders in the household. And the best way to do that is to remove the child from the household as often as possible, put as many intermediaries between the parent and the child, as many experts as they can to make sure that the parent does not have the say. And that's what Oliver is trying to say here. Now, don't get me wrong. Is, is there possibility for abuse here? Yes, and he will get into that. But of course there's possibility of abuse. Sadly, tragically, in our fallen world, there is always a possibility for abuse. It's horrible. I, de I, you know, I decry it every moment. I'm, I'm known for this. However, we just have to realize this is a truth, that this will always exist. And of course it exists in public schools. Children are very, very often abused in public schools. In fact, if you look per capita, it's way more than, say, kids by Catholic priests in, in, in the Catholic church. People do not understand the disproportionality of, of how often children are abused in public schools. But again, we're going to ignore all of that, and we're just going to assume that parents are somehow dangerous if they aren't regulated by the state. Filing a notice is typically where supervision stops, as in most states, there is no oversight and no evaluation by anyone of the academic program and of students' progress. And homeschooling advocates will tell you that that is not a concern. And the parents will simply come up with all sorts of innovative ways to teach their kids.
yeah, that, that that's actually not a concern. Yes, uh, I again, as somebody who taught uh, in public schools for a number of years, I can tell you the state is terrible at evaluating the progress of children in schools. They are horrible at it. They have ridiculous standardized tests that are wildly inaccurate. They specifically teach children to the test. I, I will never forget this moment. I was sitting in a staff meeting and a principal knew the objection that was coming from what they were saying. They say, you're, you're probably going to say, but, but, but principal, why are we teaching everybody just to the test? What, what, you know, everything that they need to know is not on the test. The test is not a good indicator of their performance. And she said, yes, I know, but it's the thing they need the pass to go to the next level and get out of here. So that's what we're teaching. She said that straight up. She didn't, she didn't hesitate. She didn't gild the lily on that. She told a room full of professional educators, you know, not, not like, oh, we're fighting. You know, this wasn't, you know, this wasn't, uh, oh, captain, my captain, we're fighting for the soul of the children. You know, uh, it, none of this. It was just, we teach the test because the test is the way we get paid and the way we move kids out of the school. So, oh no, the state won't be checking the progress of these children. Well, guess what? They're crap at it anyway. So it's no big loss. Here is one parent enthusiastically explaining how he taught his kids science. I can't tell you how many times, um, you know, in my home, in our kitchen table, we've dissected, you know, sheep eyeballs or uh, frogs. Uh, <laughs> kitchen, kitchens are great labs <laughs> for this kind of thing. Where does somebody, so where together... does somebody get a sheep eyeball? <laughs> well, John, you can just Google sheep eyeball for homeschoolers. I didn't There's know lots that. Of people... <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, first. Are kitchens the best lab for this kind of thing? I think probably labs are the best lab for this kind of thing. That is Again, amazing how un unfunny John Oliver is just on a regular basis. The, the only reason you even know something is supposed to be a joke is they play the laugh track behind it. But yeah, the, the whole point of this segment is, ooh, look at the kooky guy having his kid do the same science experiment, but at home. Oh, you have to have a lab. Why? Why? Why do you need that? Well, because if you need a lab, then it facilitates the experts and the buildings and everything else that builds out this actual democratic machine, that this leftist, uh, you know, uh, uh, patronage network, and of course, pro propaganda is propaganda. Got I can do this. Propagandizes your kids at the same time. But of course, you don't need any of that stuff. Of course, you can do this stuff at home. Of course, the supervision of a parent is a way more. Uh, way more interesting and way more uh, effective way of having a child learn this lesson than making them one of 32 kids waiting around, hoping that a teacher might walk by and tell them something important. Like obviously that one-on-one -on -one interaction with that, with that parent and his child is way more, be way better for that child than having them go to some, some public school lab somewhere where they'll be lucky if they even do something like this. But Play it up for laughs, you know, play the laugh track, make it sound absurd, even though it's just obviously what a loving parent should be able to do if they can. That is why there are big publishers who offer materials specifically tailored to homeschoolers. And much of that market is dominated by these three Christian textbook publishers who promise learning through a biblical filter. And, and here's the real problem. Here's the real problem. Textbooks from the wrong people. You might learn the wrong things. You might not get the government approved line. Look, it is absolutely a parent's right to educate their child with religion if they so choose. And he, and again, John Oliver just doesn't believe that at all. He's a liar. He doesn't believe that at all. Every problem he raises, every problem he raises in this constantly is about white evangelical parents raising their children. That's always his problem. He doesn't have a problem with you know people being pulled out for of school for any other reason. 
but that is consistently the issue he raises in this in this these are the people he makes fun of there's the people he attacks every good example he shows is a black child who was pulled out of school and every bad example he shows was a white child pulled out of school and the specific problem he states almost entirely is that they are getting christianity instead of the current public education drip feed going directly into their veins so he doesn't believe that it's okay for someone to raise their their children with christianity and that's basically the whole point of this segment but the quality of some of these books can be troubling. For instance, one current Abeka history book says that the beginning of the 20th century witnessed a cultural breakdown that threatened to destroy the very roots of Western civilization. The cause of this dissolution was an idea or philosophy known as liberalism. Wow. Okay. Based. Based, 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 based. <laughs> Go get this book for your children immediately. If this is a real, like, this is a real history text, immediately purchase this. Uh, yes, 100%. <laughs> Meanwhile, a workbook from ACE celebrates the Confederate General Robert E. Lee as a devoted Christian who practiced his Christianity in all his dealings with others. Again, yeah, okay. So Robert E. Lee, well-known, actually is a good person, even though he ended up on the wrong side of the war for a lot of people, right? This is this is something that's well-known. Of course, they just melted down this statue. I'm going to be talking with Lafayette Lee with, uh, on Wednesday about this more in depth. But he made this joke before that happened, so I probably didn't understand how it was going to play. But yeah, no, this is, this is again, something that was well-known and celebrated by most people before you know, we, we decided to reset the country at year zero. A lot of people forget that a really critical part of the Civil War was the reconciliation. And part of the reason America was able to come back together, it was able to find a shared identity by saying the people of the South were not evil. They disagreed about something and we can heal. These people are still noble. These people are still part of America. But we decided to forget that a few years ago. And we decided to tear down all the statues. We decided that we were going we to rewrite the history books. And instead, uh, it's just everybody in the South was always just a horrifically evil racist. Everyone was stupid. Everyone was bad. There was no honor. They were all traitors, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's the new history. And so the fact that this book reflects the view of the Civil War that existed for pretty much everyone until 10, 15 years ago makes it ridiculous. And a science book from Bob Jones University claims that biblical and scientific evidence tends to support the idea that men and dinosaurs existed at the same time. And if you're wondering All right, that what one's that a little would sketchy. look like, ACE actually had a workbook featuring this rendering, implying <laughs> that not only did men and dinosaurs exist at the same time, but they were totally cool with each other. But while all of that is pretty troubling, the truth is, in many states, the rules and oversight can be so lax Parents don't ultimately have to teach their kids anything at all. Just watch as this former homeschool student breaks down her daily schedule. This is my actual list of assignments. We've got the date at the top, I would have been 12. First, we've got classical music, which was just turning on classical music in the morning so that everyone could hear it. We've got Bible listening. We've got handwriting and math, that's fairly normal. We've got memorizing the Bible. We've got memorizing poetry. Uh, the poetry was more. So first, I'm glad we're going to TikTok uh, for this, right? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pull up a video on TikTok, and this is gonna this is gonna reflect homeschooling in general. Again, we're nut picking here, right? We just we find a, a couple crazy examples. Second, um, obviously there was a homeschooling fail here. You could just kind of see that on the screen, right? Like something did not get transferred. So the homeschooling did not go well. Uh, third, interesting, we're listing kind of all these things like Bible reading as if they're crazy. But anyway, we'll, we'll go on here. You'll see there's 
more nut nut picking to be had. Mostly hymns. We've got exercise. That's good. It was usually just walking around the block. Um, and then the whole entire rest of the list is chores and cleaning tasks. It's true. Most of her lessons just involve chores. And just look at that list. Although I will say, even that is a preferable alternative to the single worst homeschool curriculum that we found, whose creators excitedly promoted it on a podcast. We are so deeply invested into making sure that that child becomes a wonderful Nazi. And National by sorry. homeschooling, yeah. we're going to get that done. Well. Yeah, so surprise, right? He finds a person somewhere who says this. And this is now all homeschoolers. And this is the whole point, right? We grab two examples. We say, this is what homeschooling is, especially among um, white evangelical kids. It's just a Nazi factory. Or or, or for, for parents who just want to have their kids listen to the Bible for an hour a day and call it a lesson. That That's the idea. Is we, just, we just take this broad brush and that's everything. We found two people who did this. Luckily, I've never seen anything taught in a public school that was outlandish. Luckily, I've never there's no abuse in public schools. Luckily, public schools are just these citadels of learning where everyone magic. Oh, no, wait, none of that is true. Kids learn horrific, uh, terrible things in, in public schools. Uh, they, they learn them in mass instead of one or two crazies out there. Right. But this is what he's going to do. He's going to find a couple of uh, a couple of incredibly rare, uh, 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 incredibly obscure instances and say this is and this is the whole point of this segment is to say this is the danger of homeschooling if we don't grab every white evangelical kid and pull them out of their home and force them to go to school they will all turn into secret nazis that that's what he's trying to say it's very clear that's his agenda and you can see this throughout the whole uh, clip that is terrifying because yes, when it comes terrifying. to homeschooling basically anything goes so how the fuck is that the case well, in large part, it's thanks to a very powerful homeschooling lobby whose most prominent player is the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. Or That's right, guys. Watch out. We got big homeschooling, the most dangerous of all the lobbies, wielding untold power. Everybody knows, you know, if you if you if you want to get in good in Washington, yeah, you better you better get Raytheon under your belt and you better get the credit card agencies or the, or the telecom agencies. And then you better get the homeschooling lobby. That's where the real power lies, right? The most dangerous thing you can imagine. What he means is it's like a, is a another uh, thing you could call this, uh, John Oliver, is a union. It's like a union of homeschoolers that got together and, and tried to defend what they believed in. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of portray them as if they're big tobacco or something. You know, homeschoolers, the most dangerous thing imaginable. HSLDA. And here is where I will concede some ground. Because it grew out in an environment that was, in many places, overly restrictive of homeschooling, with some states and local school districts effectively banning it entirely. And from the very beginning, it had a strong evangelical conservative outlook. So there it is, right? So, and, and to be fair, I, I clipped a bit there because he went into the details of, of kind of places where it was banned. It was actually banned in, in, in Texas in the 80s. So credit to him for, for explaining some of that, but I clipped it because it would have just been a long uh, explainer there. Uh, but yeah, he acknowledges to his credit the reason this exists, right? It's not some crazy high-powered lobby that that you know uh, buys and owns politicians. It's something that parents legitimately needed to fight back against the power of the state, which should be. This guy is warning about the power of the state. That's what I love about this, right? 
one side out of one side of the mouth he's like well i mean black parents have to pull their kids out of school because uh you know that they, they could be uh criminalized or they could be taught this whitewashed version of history however no one else should pull their, their kids out of school because the state suddenly becomes uh beneficent and suddenly it suddenly becomes uh you know this this do-gooder when it comes to everybody else and so the state is, you know, simultaneously this dangerous thing that you have to watch out for if you're one shade. But if you're another shade, it's actually this uh, amazing thing that that is the only thing that can actually teach you anything. And pulling your children out is, is, is of that is a problem. So like he acknowledges, OK, the state was overbearing in this issue. But his main problem is, of course, not that this organization exists or even that it fights for parents. His problem is that it's evangelical. And that most kids who are homeschooled are evangelical. We know this. It's obvious. You run into homeschool kids. You know that's the case. They're mostly evangelical Christians. And that's his real problem. His real problem is not that homeschooling exists. It's not that it exists for certain groups. It's that it exists for one group, especially evangelical Christians or white evangelicals. Its founding president and chairman, Michael Farris, has referred to public schools as a godless monstrosity. And here he is. Based. Based. Been, been in public schools. Went to public schools, taught in public schools. That is correct. Back in 2004, speaking to the Christian Coalition and describing his long-term hopes for the next generation. Today, it is not preposterous to recognize what's going on, the promotion of homosexuality, the promotion of other kinds of things that you heard from Walter Jones and you've heard many other times, is a deplorable reality that we cannot countenance. I can't wait. Again, just things that he's predicting that ended up being true again you you can go to libs of tiktok watch that feed see a, a a ton of teachers just just hundreds of teachers thousands of teachers you know forcing gay pride flags into their classroom everything everything he's saying here is true you might think it's absurd that he's objecting to it because of your moral stance on it but he's not saying anything that was false you just it's it's the celebration parallax right he's only allowed to notice it if he's celebrating it for the day when our young people vanquish the enemy by a five to four vote reversing Roe versus Wade and uh, <laughs> where we vanquish the, the specter of same-sex marriage that's the standard of victory over the years the so again the problem with this guy is he got some victories I guess like he predicted the future and then he took steps and some of them worked. Like, obviously he didn't get everything he was talking about, but the whole reason that he puts him up there as a very scary thing is he just repeats a conservative Christian political agenda. Uh, you may not agree with that agenda, but it's not radical. It's not crazy. It's something that half the country or far more than half the country believe for a very long time. Half the country about still does nothing about this is insane, except that you put a laugh track behind it. HSLDA has lobbied extensively from a hard right perspective on issues that have nothing to do with homeschooling, opposing everything from vaccine mandates to same-sex marriage. But Okay, again, so vaccine man mandates are just bad, uh, so good on them. Also, of course they oppose same-sex marriage. It's, a, it's predominantly evangelical Christian, as you said. This is what they oppose. If you don't like that, that's fine. That doesn't make them scary. That makes them different right that, that makes them have a different political opinion but of course that's where we are right now we are we are in we are accelerating into this point where anyone having any differing political opinion is a threat and that's what that's what john oliver is doing here he's trying to frame anyone who might pull their kids out of the system 
so they can learn an alternative to what is being taught. They, he, he is saying they are a threat. They are a threat. They have to be regulated. They're probably secret Nazis. We've got to get their kids out of there. This is critical. It speaks to how significant a force it is that even some parents who are uneasy with its political leanings feel that they have no choice but to be members. Here is one mom who started a homeschooling group to offer an alternative to what she saw as a whitewashed curriculum, talking about her relationship to the HSLDA. The, again, this is beautiful. You'll notice there, there's only one type of person who's allowed to pull their kid out of school legitimately. They all share a particular trait. He's the one putting them on screen. He's the one selecting them, not me. It's the, it's the only reason he sees anyone as legitimate for pulling their kids out of public education. However, he's saying, okay, well, the, this parent pulled them out, pulled their child out because they wanted to treat them something different, but they still have to use the services of a, of a lobby they don't agree with. Welcome to the party. Whenever there's a threat in any particular state to their right to homeschool, oh, you will see us come together. You know, it may not, we're not going to stay together, but we will band up because we all desperately need our right to homeschool. And that's the nuanced aspect of being in the homeschool world. The people that you have to work with in order to maintain what you hold dear are also the people who crush you. It's true. It's true. It's not that true. <laughs> Sorry, it's totally normal for people in political coalitions, especially when they're lobbying across a specific area, to not agree on everything. Uh, you, you don't have to ideologically agree on everything. And actually, not only do you not have to ideologically agree on everything, you'll notice what's more important to her. It's more important to keep her kid out of a government school than to have the people she's working with agree with her politically on other issues. Because she knows how bad the government school is. She knows how dangerous the government school is. So she's willing to sacrifice these theoretical ideological differences for the very real and tangible benefit of improving and protecting the education of her child because she has actual investment in her child. She has real skin in the game. That's her blood. That's her child. And so she cares more about the right to protect and rear and educate her child than she does about the political beliefs of these other people. But that's a problem for him. That's a scary thing. HSLDA have made themselves so powerful, many parents keep working with them even if they don't agree with everything they stand for. Deregulating homeschooling doesn't just eliminate safeguards against parents who are bad teachers. It also eliminates them against parents who are bad people. All right, so this is where it's going to get heavy, right? Because he's going to bring in the fact that there are bad parents out there. And he's right, of course. There are terrible parents out here. Uh, again, I've worked in public schools. I've worked in really bad public schools where there were a lot of parents involved in drugs, neglect, abuse. I have made those phone calls. I have called Child Protective Services. I've dealt with social workers. I have been a mandatory reporter. I understand the case he's going to make here. But the really important thing that we're going to need to notice is where he thinks sovereignty should rest. For all the HSLDA's talk of parental rights, it's worth remembering, Elon Musk is a parent. O.J. Simpson is a parent. Darth Vader is such a parent. Again, he's not very funny, and you'll notice that Elon Musk is evil? Okay. He made it part of his fancy name change. The point is, having a child does not inherently make you virtuous. And what are the... Yes, John, that's true, but neither does a college degree. Neither does state accreditation. Neither does having some bureaucratic position. 
yeah, you're right. Like simply giving birth to a child or simply, you know, having a child that does not immediately make you a good person. But neither is being in the government. And this is the problem, right? We're going to get deeper into this as he goes on. But the idea is distributing the cost, right? He wants to distribute responsibility. As long as there's a bunch of teachers, a bunch of social workers, a bunch of people involved, a bunch of oversight, there won't be abuse. But of course, that's not true at all. In fact, there's very commonly abuse because the responsibility is so distributed. And if there isn't abuse, there's at very least a massive degradation in the quality of things like education. Again, having taught in public schools, I can tell you lots of kids get through them without learning anything at all. It's amazing. And so, yes, I get it. Like if you provide all of these state oversights and you distribute the responsibility, the idea is somewhere in that line, somewhere in that chain of distributed responsibility, someone will step up. That might make sense kind of in theory until you see it in practice where actually people are far more likely to pass the buck because, because you have removed the responsibility from the parent and you distribute it across all these surrogate parents because that's the action you have taken instead of having parents become more accountable, they become less accountable. And because they become less accountable, all of those problems transfer into the schools and all those problems transfer into the schools and even more kids are held unaccountable. The, the students are, or rather the teachers and the social workers and everyone, they hold people less accountable. They just move kids through. They just uh, turn a blind eye to everything. And so by removing that accountability from parents, you don't actually get more accountability because you distribute it into the system. Instead, what happens is you shove all these uh, all these kids who weren't parented into the system, and then all of the teachers, the social workers, they can't do the job of parents. They start collapsing. All of these systems start collapsing. Yes, it seems to make sense. Oh, if we just have people watching these children 24-7, nothing bad could happen to them. But that's not actually what happens. Sorry, but getting an education degree doesn't make you a good person. And if you're not sure about that, you can check out like Florida where like, seven you know like uh like like 25 year old women uh teachers are always sleeping with like these 13 year old boys that's a common thing that happens they don't magically become good people when they get a teaching degree they're just people and people will unfortunately abuse other people it's horrific it's sad it's tragic but it's just true the key problems here is child welfare laws were written before homeschooling was legal in all 50 states so they rely heavily on the premise that a child is going to be in school and seen by other adults. As Again, so this is child welfare laws are only written when homeschooling is around. So there's this there's this magical time, I guess, when public schooling, like if you go back to 1890, sorry, there's not a lot of public schooling in the United States. The, you know, 1920, it's not like everybody had constant supervision. So you're really talking about this very rare moment in time between when homeschooling you know, started to become a thing and most kids started showing up to compulsory education, you're really only talking about 30 or 40 years. This is not, we're not talking about going back to the stone age by having kids watched by their parents exclusively. We're just talking about returning to the rest of human history and not the immediate present. This DA explains. A lot of child abuse gets reported through our schools. Teachers and school administrators are mandated reporters. So, you know, if a child comes to school with bruises or emaciated, that is a very common way that it gets reported. Right, because the fact is teachers serve multiple functions at school in addition to education. We could pass some... Yeah, they do. I mean, again, I've been in this scenario. I know what he's talking about. 
I've seen this happen in a school. But let me tell you, there are way more students who are neglected and abused by parents who had have no interest in homeschooling them because they couldn't be bothered because they sent school kids to school to get rid of them. Okay. I taught at a school where a lot of parents just blocked the number of the school because they were tired of getting calls from teachers and administrators, letting them know how badly their student had behaved. I am used to that kind of interaction with parents. There are tons and tons and tons of parents who who gladly send their kids to public school just to get rid of them. I'm sorry, but I'm much less worried about the people who actually take the time and effort to homeschool their kids. It doesn't mean there isn't abuse. It doesn't mean there aren't problems. It doesn't mean there aren't shortfalls. But again, when we're looking at large numbers, when we're scaling up and looking at big systems, homeschooling is just better. On average, homeschooling parents are less likely to be abusing, less likely to uh, to be doing this stuff, and they're more likely to provide quality education to their children than a bad public school. And that's just the case basic child safety protections to ensure parents can't pull their kids out of school to escape scrutiny for abuse. A few years ago, to its credit, Georgia passed a law that requires parents who pull kids out of school for no reason to send documentation within 45 days that they are homeschooling their child or proof of attendance at another school. If they don't do that, they're subject to a follow-up from the state. And even this Republican Georgia state rep acknowledges that it was needed. If the people in your world that you believe are, are most protective of you or, or torturing you or abusing you, who's going who's gonna to look out for you? I mean, I don't, you know, I don't like government intervention in a lot of things, but I don't, you know, the government's the only person I know of that can intervene in this kind of case to, to save a child. Yeah, he's right. He's just... Actually, actually, he's not just right. There are actually a lot of people who can involve themselves. If you had robust communities, if you had functioning faith communities, you had churches, you had civic organizations, you had intergenerational families. If you had the kind of family unit and the kind of network that existed previously, again, throughout much of human history and, and definitely in the United States up to the last few decades, there would be lots of people involved in a child's life that could look into this. Now, again, there is no case where everything can be perfect. Yes, there will always be these opportunities. And again, it is horrific and tragic when it occurs. But the question is, who is in charge, right? Who actually owns a child? And let's be really clear, children are owned. Someone has authority over child. Someone always has authority over child. Children are not autonomous beings. They are not capable of consent. They are not capable of making their own decisions. They are minors because they are not held liable legally because they are not capable of doing these things on their own. Someone will always have authority over that child. And John Oliver thinks that the final authority has to be the state. And he hates anybody who disagrees. I'm sorry. Children belong to their parents, not to the state. That doesn't mean that there aren't legitimate reasons to step in when absolutely necessary. But the idea that you can't homeschool your children because there has to be this 24-7 constant intervention by the state to make sure that the children are safe from their very own parents is the most totalitarian thing you can imagine. Completely right. And agreeing with a staunch Republican Georgia state rep wasn't something I had on my 2023 bingo card. Uh. I've almost got a full bingo, by the way. I'm just waiting on you-know-who to you-know-what. Okay, that was the only joke I actually... I share his ambivalence about government intervention here. I understand that involving... No, you don't. You do not. You do not share 
his ambivalence about government intervention. You do not. That is a lie. He is he is fine with tons of government intervention. The only time he's skeptical of state is when it's interacting with, I guess, black children. Otherwise, he is 100% on board with the state taking any action at any time that it deems necessary, which is why he constantly thinks that you have to have experts, that you can't uh, you can't uh, teach your own child, you can't evaluate your own child's performance, you can't decide their own curriculum, you can't do science experience with them. He has argued against parental autonomy and separation from state authority at every single instance, except if it's a black parent removing their child because they're worried there might be a whitewashed curriculum. He said that multiple times. He's been explicit about it, but now he just lies at the end because maybe you won't notice. Social services and the government in people's personal situations poses a risk, especially to those who aren't wealthy and who aren't white. It's not like I love the idea. Again, you'll, you'll notice <laughs> he, he's, he's not unclear about the only groups that should be allowed to, to make these decisions. There's, there's only really one group that... Uh, that, that I guess is required to send their kids to school to be oversaw because maybe all those parents are abusive. I guess there are no, there are no non-white abusive parents. That's great news. I, I wonder what the statistics are on that, John. Nope, not going to pull that up. I, I would guess. Here of giving the state room to poke around in people's lives or that I think our child protective services system is flawless, no notes. We're almost definitely going to be doing a main story on CPS one day. But it does seem like giving parents a get out of all scrutiny free, no questions asked card just isn't the answer here. Again, I, we, we don't need to go through the last bit of this because it's, it's more of the same. The government is the one that should make all the decisions, at least when it comes to a specific demographic. Uh, they have to constantly be indoctrinated. Uh, they're probably uh, Nazi abusers. They, they need to they, they can't possibly teach their children. They have to be in school all the time or otherwise terrible things will happen to them. And if you disagree, you're probably on their side. Yeah, you get the idea. All right, guys. So that's uh, that's John Oliver. Uh, you know, I, a lot of people I, I put on Twitter. Hey, I'm, I'm going to show uh, John Oliver's an unfunny buffoon. And people are like, yeah, but what are you going to do with the rest of the show after the first two minutes? I know this isn't the uh, I know this isn't the hardest of assignments that I've given myself, but I, I thought it was important. I thought it was important to bring up a lot of the the kind of the subtext of what he was saying here refute a few things we'll go back go back to some classic youtube of uh, you know the response videos of you know 2016 or something so uh i thought that would be fun but let's jump over to our super chats real quick before we do guys just remember that of course uh the blaze has the new website you should really check it out they got rid of all of the ads so that you can you don't have to worry about demonetization they can run the the articles they can want uh, they they want to they can run the pieces they want to they can do the investigative journalism they want to they can run pieces like mine without having to worry about demonetization and i think that's really worth your time to go over there check it out at least see the website it's nicer it's running smoother uh you know you you can navigate it much easier it's it's not ugly and filled with all those terrible uh ads that are always on conservative websites so make sure to go check that out and if you feel like supporting them for making that change you have those options over with Blaze and Blaze TV uh, and Blaze News. All right. So questions of the people here. Uh, Florida Henry for $5. Oh, let me get rid of John Oliver because he is blocking uh, the questions here. Uh, at this point, anyone who sends kids to public school is participating in child abuse. Look, I hear you. And again, I've taught in public school, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to sing the praises. Uh, but I will say there's a lot of people who have to send their children to public school. There's a lot of people who live in decent areas. Not every public school is terrible. Uh, there are people who put a lot of effort into their local school board to change the curriculum and, and things. 
So I, I think that's too much of a blanket statement, but I understand what you're saying. And if you have the option or the resources and you, you're worried about what's being taught there, then that's an excellent investment of your time. Uh, Bolero 393 for $5. John Oliver can't instruct his staff on how to make a funny late night show. He has no business instructing us on how to teach our children. Uh, yeah, Bolero, I'm, I'm with you 100%. This guy, again, I think he made me chuckle one time in a 30-minute segment. He's a professional comedian on a major network. Uh, yeah, I think that he's probably disqualified from trying to tell us how children should be ed educated. I'm with you. Uh, George Haydukes here for $4.99. Homeschooling was once the purview of the left. I was partially homeschooled and grew up in Berkeley around others who were smartest people I know. An excellent point, right? There used to be the people who used to be scared of what the state was teaching was the left. You had the, the hippie movement or you had kind of the more, uh, kind of this more organic movement. They would have been far more for keeping their children out of public school, far more worried about what the institutions were teaching them. So we really just see that this anti-homeschooling thing is just a flail to attack people who are against the current institution. When the institution was perceived as right, then homeschooling was left. When the institution is perceived as left, the homeschooling is right. Excellent point. Homerus Lupercal, Lormaster of the Evergreen Terrace. For $5, he portrays it as a threat because it is one. It is a threat to the cement uh, of power because the monopoly on knowledge for a generation could be lost. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%, man. That's that's right. He treats it like a threat because it is a threat. Um, you know, I, the joke is, oh, the homeschooling lobby. And that is a joke because obviously like these homeschooling lobbies don't have a real power. That That's absurd for him to assert that. But the idea that homeschooling is itself a danger to the regime, a danger to uh, kind of our current uh, liberal hegemony. Yeah, 100%. That, that's right. And that's why he's he's uh, panicking about it. Uh, John Oliver is the uh, pandemic. I'm just going to be careful because I don't know what, uh, what YouTube is still doing. Life of Brian here for $5, by the way. Thank you. John Oliver is the pandemic of political comedy of, uh, of concern to no one except the mentally ill. Don't test for it and you won't notice it. Yeah, again, I know, I will say this. I think more people knew John Oliver had a show than that uh, John Stewart had returned to comedy uh, to, to doing a show. But you're right. In general, people don't really pay attention to John Oliver at this point. Probably best, I guess. I, I just thought that the points were so absurd here. And because it hit on a topic that I wanted to talk about and that I have a lot of experience with, I thought it was worth the time to run through it. Uh, Life of Brian again here for 499. Oliver would just be just like C19 if he were contagious uh mint 20 here for five dollars can't believe i used to like oliver shake my head it was such a cringe leftist back then look man like i said in my in my uh in my john stewart episode even i as kind of a a, a, a conservative kid growing up in that time like john stewart because it was just he was kind of funny at least he was kind of talented and it was kind of the way what everyone was talking about i hear you it's cringe i i had an ayn rand phase we, we've all been there don't beat yourself up too much about your John Oliver phase. It's okay. And then uh, we've got Bolero393 here again. If you have a MSM TV show, are you a good person? Yeah, I mean, again, I'm sure there are good people somewhere on mainstream TV that that, that probably occurs. But in general, it's, it's a pretty good indicator that that is not the case. An excellent point to be sure. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. But thank you, everybody, for coming by. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Of course, if this is your first time coming by, make sure that you go ahead and subscribe to the Orrin McIntyre show on uh, on YouTube here. Go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you'd like to get these broadcasts as podcasts, make sure that you subscribe to the Orrin McIntyre show on the podcast platform 
uh, you know, you can go to iTunes, you can go to Spotify, all those places. It, it's on all of them. And if you do that, please make sure that you go ahead and leave a rating or review. That really helps with all the algorithm magic. Thanks for coming by again, guys. And as always, I will talk to you next time.